Jimi Hendrix said, knowledge speaks, but wisdom listens. Today, we're talking about that topic of listening. It's something I'm always trying to perfect within myself. And it's the ability to really listen, to deeply listen, to get to that wisdom that Jimi Hendrix is talking about so that we tune into someone in a deep way. Oscar Tremboli is an author, and he wrote a beautiful book on this topic. And in it, he shares that deep listening is something that every human craves. Let's explore this topic together now. Michael, hit it. Welcome to the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast, a show designed for leaders, trainers, and consultants who are responsible for employee selection and professional development. Each episode is packed full with insider tips, best practices, expert interviews, and inspiration. Please welcome the host who is helping leaders, trainers, and consultants everywhere, Susie Price. Hi there, I'm Susie Price with Priceless Professional Development, and you're listening to the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast, where we cover everything related to helping you and the employees and the organizations you work in reduce drama, increase energy and commitment, and build a Wake Up Eager Workforce. So a little bit about me. If you're new to the podcast, I'm a professional facilitator, and I started my company, Priceless Professional Development, with a focus on waking up eager in 2004. And we're experts in an assessment science. It's called Trimetrics. And we use that science to help you throughout the life cycle of your employees through hiring, onboarding, leadership development, conflict resolution, and team building. We've got tools and resources all related to that. And uh, that is our work. And that's how we help you build a wake up eager workforce. That's our part in that puzzle. We also train and certify others to become experts in this tool. I've got a powerful self-paced, if I say so myself, and the feedback that I get from others. It's self-paced. It's online resources, and it allows people to take an exam and become experts in becoming a certified professional disc analyst, certified professional motivators analyst, and trimetrics expert analyst. So if you're interested in that, we're getting a lot of interest in that lately, and I've been talking about it a lot. It is a joy to do. It feels like you're giving people the tools and resources to not only know and understand themselves, but help other people know and understand themselves and to do it in a way that is about valuing and belief in people and building self-awareness and other awareness. If you're interested in any and all of that, go to pricelessprofessional.com forward slash certification, and you'll see more information about that. We also work on the idea of Wake Up Your Workforce through our tools and our, our thought leadership in our books, our blog, and of course, this podcast. And a directory of all of our podcasts, this is episode number 65, but a directory of all our previous episodes, you can go to wakeupeagerworkforce.com, wakeupeagerworkforce.com. I want to share something new, um, not new. I did it all last year, but I did Wake Up Eager Tips every Wednesday last year. And the new part of that is that I took all the tips from last year. Last year, my focus on Wake Up Eager was mind, body, spirit. And so I shared tips on a weekly basis. And there's 123 tips in an ebook that we created. So I took all of that material 
uh, took it off the page and put it into an ebook and you can download it and you can get tips on mind, body and spirit. And there are things that I was thinking about and, and do think about that are covered in that book. So if you go to pricelessprofessional.com forward slash wake up eager, you will see that ebook. Feel free to download that and, and have fun with that. Hopefully there's something meaningful in that for you. And then continue to visit the page because in 2020, we're doing the tips again, but this year we've shifted the focus a little bit. So this year I'm focusing on topics related to the life cycle of an employee stay with you. So we're going to cover important tips related to hiring, onboarding, development, team building, conflict resolution, stress management. So every week there'll be about three tips related to that. And the goal is to continue to do short, content-rich tools, reminders, resources. And then these tips will be in particular interest if you are involved with the Trimetrics Assessment or want to be involved with the Trimetrics Assessment. Not everything will be that, but a lot of it ties back to that about how you can use that tool to create a wake up eager workforce and cover, you know, in hiring, what, what can you use and how do you use it and in onboarding and development and so on. I'd love for you to give me feedback. If a particular episode inspires you, gives you great results or shows you something new, I'd love to hear about it. It helps me continue to take the time to do this. I think I would do it anyway because I just, uh, I'm a journalist by heart and I love to learn and I love to talk (laughs) and share as many of you know. So I would love to hear if something we share helps and I have been getting different emails from people and it just makes me feel good and it it helps me know that something is on track for you. So if that, if something speaks to you, a past, present or future, please reach out. You can do it a couple ways. We've got a new way now, but you could send me an email at Susie at pricelessprofessional.com, S-U-Z-I you can also use our contact form at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash Susie. And then I have something new. It's a new feedback tool that I'm trying out. It's called SpeakPipe. And what it does is it allows you to just click on the button. If you're on the computer, if you're on your iPhone, you click on the button and you speak and it leaves me a message. And then I get notified that you left a message. And the cool thing about that is I can, what I want to do is get feedback into future episodes, like get your feedback or how do you do this? Um, and have different features. So that's where I'd like to take the podcast. I'm going to start playing around with this recording thing. So if you go to the show notes, if you go to wakeupyourworkforce.com, you'll see a little purple microphone. That's SpeakPipe. If you go to the show notes for today, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash deep listening, you'll see it. And then you could also just dial in, you go to uh, SpeakPipe, P-I-P-E.com forward slash Workforce. Uh, speakpipe.com forward slash wake up your workforce. And that's a page that you can just click on the microphone and share up to five minutes. So it'd be cool. So anyway, try that out. Love to see it. Today's episode is number 65, Deep Listening Impact Beyond Words. The show notes, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash deep listening, all lowercase, one word. And here's what we're going to cover is why is deep listening so tricky for us? There's a real practical reason why. And you're going to find that interesting. I I did. How to double your listening productivity and get back four hours a week. There's three simple phrases. I thought that was a cool statistic. They've actually measured that, that you get four hours a week back if you do deep listening. The four unconscious listening villains, you know, how they get in our way and then how to bring your best listening self to every interaction. There's three actions. So you're going to get tips on how to do it. I'm going to share some about my listening journey and you're going to get to hear from the author of the book, Deep Listening, Impact Beyond Words, Oscar Tremboli. So 
First, let's talk about listening and why I keep revisiting it. I've we looked back, I have four or five different episodes on listening. I've taught listening when I do leadership skills. I always talk about listening aggressively and I actually have a process for that. In conflict management, it's always that we t- touch on listening. It's just a topic that is so important to me. And I was thinking about it, it's like, why is that so important? Well, there's several layers to it. And the first is... One, I recognize that my greatest strength could be my greatest weakness or my blind spot. So I have a very high D and a very high I style that is in the trimetrics assessment. It's the disc part of the trimetrics, which is, you know, how you drive in the car analogy. So how I drive, what people see is a very direct and assertive speaker um, and also someone who expresses optimism. And I talk to think. So there's there's lots of strengths related to that. You're optimistic. You get people encouraged. You like to have fun. I mean, there's all of us who have high eye styles all kind of relate to each other pretty quickly. But it's what you see. It's not all of me. And I remember as a child, I mean, I I came in this way. So nature, nurture, right? This is how our our style and our motivators, our interests are formed. We come in with some of them and they're formed by our environment. Um, But through the magic of Facebook uh, a couple of years ago, now we've stayed connected since then. I have a Facebook childhood friend, Tammy, and uh, we reconnected and we, we do girls trips every year. And I've known her since elementary school. And I spent many nights at her house growing up. And she said one night, laughing, she said, my dad used to say, I sure do like that little Susie, but man, that little girl can talk. (laughs) I thought that was so funny. And then I did a newsletter on this, but there's a Volvo commercial and I'll just describe it to you and I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But there's a Volvo commercial. It's about 30 seconds and it's this little four or five year old girl and dad is walking her out to the car and putting her in her in the back seat, you know, buckling her seatbelt. And uh, she's talking the whole way. So nonstop talking. He's looking at her and nodding his head, you know, eye to eye contact, listening. And she is trying to close the back door to get to the, you know, walk around the car and get to the front seat to drive. He, you know, slowly closes the doors while she continues to talk nonstop. He gets in the car to sit in the driver's seat. She hasn't stopped talking and he's driving, you know, in his Volvo and he's smiling because little Susie is in the back seat talking nonstop. (laughs) And. And as a kid, that was just me being me. And I didn't know that was different from some other people, that other people had other strengths. But over time, what I learned is it helped me understand that I do have these strengths, but it also can be a blind spot. You know, a blind spot is something everybody else can see. Think about when you're driving. You see it. Oh, my God, that guy's going to pull into somebody. You know, everybody else can see it. But sometimes we're not aware of it. And it could get in a way or have us have a wreck be on the side of the road. So one blind spot for me can be talking too much, socializing too much, having too much fun with people. And so my assessment results pointed that out. Prior to ever getting my assessment results, I was aware of different feedback I had gotten from different people that made me realize, okay, that's not always a good thing. I need to kind of manage this thing. I didn't always know how to manage it, but I started to understand it and that my tendency was really strong. So once I got my assessment results and and then became a facilitator and a consultant, I mean, our job as a facilitator and consultant is to listen. 
And so I began to really focus on listening. How do I develop that? How do I become more present with people? And so deep listening, you know, you know, I'm going to love a book about deep listening, right? And so, you know, I believe that that is a key part is my style. And as I said that, you know, our, our style and our interests, how we drive and what puts gas in our tank is, you know, two parts that are revealed in the trimetric assessment. They're born into us. You know, our tendencies are born into us. So that's why when we do those parts of the assessment, the how we drive and what puts gas in your tank, we don't say we want you to do it differently. We just want you to be aware of your strings and then figure out what the blind spots are. And if the blind spots are getting in your way, figuring out how to manage them. And then to also understand other people who don't have your strengths, but have different strengths so that you can work together effectively. So it's nature and nurture. So we come in with certain tendencies and our environment creates some of those tendencies. And so that's our role is to become aware of this. And so when I talk about that, the reason I'm talking about this is not only do I have a tendency style wise, but in my environment, I experienced things that made me really want to not only be a good listener, but to be listened to. My parents are, were lovely young people. They were very young when they got married and they both came from strongly dysfunctional homes and, um, There were addiction challenges, there was abuse, lack of attention. I mean, their parents were doing the best that they knew how to do. And um, I knew my grandparents and uh, there were many good avenues and things about them. But one of the things, you know, they taught my parents to say and decide, well, we're not going to make those same dysfunctional mistakes. And being so young and having kids so young, they did a good job of changing many, many patterns my parents did. They're still together today. And in fact, their 80th birthdays are this year. And we're going to go over there to celebrate with them. But one area that was really hard for them back then is for them to listen to us. It just wasn't there. And, you know, deep listening. What is deep listening? It's the ability to listen beyond the words, to listen beyond what's spoken, to be able to add context and meaning, to listen to what's not being said. So you're really holding a space with someone when you're deep listening and you're really with them and seeing them. And I talk about that a little bit when I talk about listening aggressively, which is terminology that I came up with years ago because I wanted it to be about listening being something we actively do. But it is the same kind of concept that Oscar Turboli talks about in his book, Deep Listening. It's, you know, hearing in a determined and energetic way. Uh, You demonstrate your desire to understand. You ask questions. You don't have an agenda. You're just there to listen. And so today I know that that was not something that we got as kids. My parents did so many things great. And that was just one piece based on their backgrounds that they had a hard time delivering to us. And what I know today, I've never had them take an assessment, but I I work with so many people who've completed the trimetrics assessment and completed the part that's about under the hood, your horsepower. So that's the, in the trimetrics, that's the third science, the acumen science that measures how we think and make decisions. It's not visible to others. You think about the engine in a vehicle, it's not visible to others. But there's two views. There's uh, the worldview, how clearly we think and feel and work in the world. And then there's the self view, how clearly we think and feel about ourselves. And it's my guess early on with my parents, you know, when their horsepower in the family under the hood, that they probably both had very low clarity 
scores in the valuing of themselves and where they fit in the world in regard to the roles. When you come from tough backgrounds, that can be the case. Uh, my sense is today it's stronger over the years they've built that. And that's the whole thing with horsepower and measuring acumen is once we know that one of those dimensions that uh, come in the science are not clear, we can work on it. But for my parents growing up, that was a blind spot for them and a area that they didn't have clarity. And what I see in others when we're doing coaching and working through this, it makes them have less of themselves available to others. So in other words, we can become a little more defensive when we're critiqued, when we have a lower internal scores, our resiliency is less. So we, we're less resilient. So stress gets to us. We just have an inability to sometimes be present with people because we're so not seeing ourselves that we're, it's hard to be calm and settled in front of other people. And I know for myself as, cause I inherited some of that from my parents. And so when I f- first took my assessment results, I had a lot more opportunity and none of the addiction or abuse in my family. So my internals were probably stronger and I'm just guessing with my folks, but you know, pretty were stronger and at least at population mean, but they weren't as strong as they could be. And so over the years, what I've done is work on my internals, work on my sense of self and valuing who I am as a human. And then also working on my clarity and any blind spots I had around, you know, belonging in the community and in my role and feeling confident as a wife and as a facilitator and feeling hopeful about my future. So strengthening my horsepower through those areas. But I say all that to say, why does listening matter so much? Well, it's it's a style thing, but it also is a nurtured nature thing with my family. So, you know, they were young and their ability to listen deeply was limited. And yes, that was due to their youth and background. And and so that, you know, as the saying goes, you know, I think about why am I so interested in listening? Well, we're interested in and teach what we need and want the most from others. And that's listening for me. So when the agent for Oscar Tromboli, he's from Australia and the writer of the book, Deep Listening, Impact Beyond Words, reached out and I get quite a few requests beyond the Wake Up Eager Workforce podcast. I tend to not interview people I don't know or that I don't already have a relationship with or that their work came to me organically, something I believe in or something I've read. So I don't usually respond to those requests, but I held on to that request from his agent because of the topic, deep listening, and for the reasons I just shared. Um, So I knew that I needed to share it with you. And I want to tell you a little bit about him because he's going to share information from his beautiful book, Deep Listening. He is a former marketing director from, uh, he was at Vodafone and Microsoft. When he was working at Microsoft, he was known for getting his customers in the call center to feel like they were heard or being listened to. And they did great market research as a result. And he, when he was at Microsoft, rebuilt their graduate leadership program. So he knows about training and development and how to, how to help people learn. And that program was implemented in 26 countries, which is quite impressive. And he is passionate about the gift of listening and how to bring that to the workplace. And um, he says that 55% of our time is spent listening, but it's a skill that only 2% of us really grasp, even though there's a huge impact on the bottom line. 
You know, we have raging problems from uh, miscommunication to something simple like that, where there's creates conflict or frustration to enough of not being heard and seen and listened to that we create job turnover, lost sales. And so, um, you know, he says that if public speaking was a skill of the 20th century, you know, learning how to be a great presenter, listening is for the 21st century. So again, the show notes for today is pricelessprofessional.com forward slash deep listening. Uh, Oscar shares that listening is our birthright. And you know, that touched me based on, I just told you my story, right? (laughs) Listening is our birthright. And he says, we forget that listening was one of the first skills we learned. I'll let Oscar share with you what he means and what that's about. Mm, listening is your birthright. There's something you say in your book about we're encoded to be deep listeners. Yeah, 20 weeks into your mother's womb when, when you were conceived and from the time you conceived to 20 weeks, you can distinguish your mother's sound, what your mother's saying from any other sound outside the body. And at 32 weeks, you can distinguish music. You can distinguish Beethoven from Bon Jovi from Beaver. And yet the minute we come into the world, we forget that listening is our very first skill. The very first act of birth is to scream. That's when your mm. actual name goes on the birth registry. The time of your birth is the time you scream. And for a lot of us, we spend the rest of our lives trying to scream to get noticed and all we want to do is be heard. So know that the first skill you ever learn inside your mother's womb is the skill of listening. And I've interviewed a couple of palliative care nurses and end-of-life doctors, and the last thing in the senses that you lose if you're relatively healthy is your sense of hearing. So whether it's at the beginning of your life or at the end of your life, listening and hearing matters a lot. Listening is our birthright. Remember that. Now, there's practical reasons why listening can be tricky for us. We don't, and Oscar talks about this in his book and in his materials, but we don't have classes in listening. Think about it. I've taught it some and I've sought it out for myself, but we have lots of classes on public speaking. And he notes that the more senior you are, the more of your day is spent listening. So that's interesting, right? The more senior you are, the more you need to be a great listener. And if you talk to any successful senior executive, if they're asked to give a class on leadership, you know what they're going to say? And I've seen it time and time again. They're going to say somewhere in their talk about being a great leader, if they're talking to younger leaders, they're going to say, you've got to learn to listen. Every great executive leader says that. And Oscar shares that the Google, when you're searching for the ratio from public speaker to listener courses, it's 50 to 1. So we don't spend a lot of time highlighting it. So I'm so glad he's out there with his beautiful book, highlighting it, and that we're able to highlight this topic with him today. On average, in our career, we'll go to five to seven classes for being a speaker and none for listening. That's interesting, right? And here's what he says. We speak This is the practical piece of this in how we're made. Even though it's our birthright, listening is our birthright. Here's how we're made. We speak at approximately 125 words per minute. We listen at 400 words per minute. And we think at 900 words per minute. So when somebody's talking, we could listen to a whole lot more words if they would go faster, except they're typically speaking at 125 words per minute. So there's lots of room to get distracted. 
And the other point is, if we think at 900 words per minute, but we can only get out 125 words per minute, the chances are good that when we're expressing something, that the first thing we say or share will not be what we mean. And Oscar says that we have 11% chance of saying what we mean and that this is the biggest barrier to communication. So someone says something, an employee comes in and they're upset. They've got 900 words per minute in their head that they're thinking about. They can express 125 words per minute. You can hear as their leader 400 words per minute. So, and you're in a hurry and you know this employee and you know that they sometimes take up your time. And if you cut them off, key problem with communication, because the first thing they share, they have 11% chance of the first thing that that employee shared with you is what they really meant to share. So here's some things that Oscar shares around, you know, if you know these rules and this understanding of 125 words per minute, we speak 400 words, we listen 900 words per minute, we think, uh, here's what you need to do. So. If you know the 125-900 rule, you start to understand what the biggest barrier is to listening. The biggest barrier to listening is you making sure that the person's said what they meant. Most of us in the workplace will have work in progress meetings, board meetings, management meetings, catch-up meetings with suppliers, catch-up meetings with customers, and we assume that the very first thing they say is what they mean. Now, if we understand the 125-900 rule, I'm going to give you three really practical things to do to unpick it. But before we do, I'm curious what's going through your head, Susie. Well, I'm just thinking about uh, the power of listening and just trying to be a deep listener with you. <laughs> so I wasn't really thinking much, just just tuning into this idea of, you know, the job is to and the other thing I guess I'm thinking too, I'm, I'm demonstrating this 11% because I got all these thoughts in my head for a moment, but is if we all want to be heard, but when we speak, we're not accurately displaying what's in our mind, chances are good that we're all talking over each other and nobody's being heard if you don't have somebody in the room who's really listening. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why projects are in the workplace run over schedule because people thought you were going to do something that you thought you weren't going to do. You were going to do something slightly different. You thought it, but you didn't say it because they didn't listen or they didn't give you the time to get that thought out of your mouth. Great employees that might leave the organization or extraordinary talent want to join the organization won't join if they don't feel heard. And, you know, if we've lost a customer, we've usually lost it because they don't feel that we're being heard. So in that moment where we know that I'm speaking at 125 words a minute, Susie, you're about 165, you're a little quicker than me, but on average, we're about 125 to 150 words a minute. What do we do as the listener to help them start to make sense of what's going to happen? Now, if you use these three phrases, and they're really simple phrases, you will notice the speaker do the following. I'll draw in a deep breath. I'll go, well, actually, what we should be talking about is, or they'll say, hmm, now that I think about it, what we should be focused on, or they'll say, hmm, you know, what I meant to say was, now, Susie, I'm sure in your work, you've heard those phrases many, many times because 
you're probably a more skillful listener than most because of the role you undertake. But have you been in situations where people sigh or their shoulders collapse and they come to an insight? And typically these three simple phrases will transform the conversation. And this will double your listening productivity. It will get you four hours back a week because that's what our database of 1,410 people say over the last two and a half years practicing these deep listening techniques has got them back four hours a week. That's half a day a week. Here are the three phrases you want to use. The first one is, tell me more. The next one is, what else? The third one's a little bit more complicated, so please pay attention to this one. It sounds like this. So don't worry, we haven't dropped out on the recording that is something that in West, we struggle with enormously. We call it the pregnant pause. We call it the awkward silence. We call it the deafening silence. Yet in ancient cultures of great wisdom or Eastern cultures like Japan, Korea, China, silence, indigenous cultures like the Inuit of North America and jungle cultures of South America and Africa, or indigenous cultures here in Australia, Aborigines and Polynesian cultures like the Maori. Silence is a sign of authority. It's a sign of respect. It's a sign of seniority. It's a sign of wisdom. And if you use any of those three phrases, you'll double your listening productivity because their mind goes out of wash cycle and it goes into the rinse cycle and the next idea comes out and you double your listening productivity because you've got another 125 to 150 words to work with. So Oscar shares three actions and three things you can say and one thing you need to do. So it's actually two things you say. One is, and I want you to write these down. If you are somewhere and can pull over, write them down or click the note and or go to the show notes, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash deep listening. They are so simple and yet so powerful. And it is so important that we listen more. First is that employee walks into your office and they say something and you're about to be distracted. I want you to put things away and say, tell me more. And then the second thing that he said is, well, what else? And now I understand why those questions are so powerful. Do you? I mean, they're powerful because people need to express, and especially our high I's and D's in the disc style, we talk to think. Oftentimes your communication style, if your steadiness or a high C in the how we drive disc part of the car analogy and trimetrics, the high S and C will think before they speak. So they might have crafted some of their information first, but your D's and I's often need to express. So we're going to say, tell me more. We're going to ask them what else, and we're going to allow for silence. Now, what do you think about silence? How comfortable are you with it? Oscar Tromboli shares that it's a sign of authority and wisdom and that it's not a sign to jump in. And again, we keep going to these practical reasons, right? We think that person's thinking 900 words. They probably have more to say. Let them formulate their thoughts. If we jump in, we're not giving them time to get clear and we're not deep listening. So we've got to think about silence. So I challenge you today and tomorrow and the next day to use these three tools. Tell me more. When somebody's talking to you, before you say anything, say, tell me more. And then once they share whatever they, the tell me more is, say, what's else? And then just be silent for a while. 
see how it feels and see what happens. Do it with your kids, do it with your best friend, do it with a coworker, do it for, with your boss, try it. And what I find, and I've talked about it in my talk, I've got a workshop and a talk called Dodge the Duds, Pick the Winners. And I also talk about it in my book, How to Hire Superior Performers, that talking too much is one of the biggest mistakes all interviewers make. So we tend to do because we're the hostess with the mostess and we're excited and maybe we're not prepared and we don't really know what to ask. So as the interviewer, we talk 75% of the time and we let the candidate talk 25% of the time we finish the interview. We think, wow, they were great. And so my challenge always is, is, you know, to avoid this is there's three big mistakes. And this is the third biggest one is not allowing silence, talking too much. So the ratio should be 25 to 75 25, you talk, 75, the candidate talks. So we're not leveraging silence in the interview process and everywhere else. So just remember, tell me more, what else, and use the silence. Those are the actions of a deep listener. It will go a long way for you. So I found that I have had several listening mentors that did these kind of things with me. They're key people who listen beyond the words. So I was hungry for it. I I needed it. I looked for it. I wanted it. I knew it was what I wanted to be good at doing. And I know that I needed to receive it. Uh, My college roommates did that for me. They tuned into me. They enjoyed me. They were interested in what I had to say. And they allowed me to take all those thoughts I had running around in my busy little mind and express them. <laughs> and we did that for each other. I also have a husband who is very cute. And, uh, uh, you know, when I met him, it's particularly what I met him in 93. So a long time ago, um, he had a lot of cool factor and he's super successful. But I remember the thing I liked the most is that he is a great listener. And he really listened. I also have had and still have girlfriends other than my college roommates who were great listeners and who are people I go to when I really need to express. I have a several coaches. One's kind of a coach therapist that has helped me over the years. And then the coach that helped me with a lot of my skill building, great listeners. And it really helps us. There is a listening mentor that really stands out for me. She did these tell me more what else in silence and and along with belief in me. And uh, her name is uh, was she passed away, Mary Lou. And I actually dedicated my first book to her mind, body, spirit book about it's called stress management strategies, but it's actually just mind, body, spirit tips and ideas. And um, she was a deep listener for me. And that was in college. And when I first started my career and very much a parental role model and figure for me. But I remember in particular one instance, I was at my 10-year high school reunion. I was in my hometown. I was happy to see my high school buddies. I was in a good job, but it was uh, kind of boring. And I wanted to make a change, but I didn't know what the change was going to be. And so my, one of my longtime friends who I adore, I was you know just wrestling with it. And I'm just obsessive. I, when I'm on a topic, I can't get off of it until I figure it out. So, you know, I'm supposed to be there having fun, but I can't quit thinking about this problem that I have around my career. And so I'm talking to her since I've known her for so long. And, and she jumped in real quickly and offered advice and no fault to her at all. But, you know, I didn't get the tell me more, what else and silence, you know, and, and just kind of helping me sort it through. 
Um, but she gave me advice. She's a great friend. I still felt confused and worried, and that was okay. We went on and had a had a great time at our reunion. I didn't sleep good because I was worried about what I was worried about. And so before the weekend was over, I stopped and visited Mary Lou, who is so important to me um, in my life. And the key reason was she was a deep listener. I liked talking to her, and I knew when I went to visit her that she would listen uh, she asked me how things are going. I brought her up to speed. I mentioned my concerns about my career, and I wasn't really, didn't know if she'd have time to really talk, and she just started asking me questions and saying, tell me more. Well, then what happened? What else? Just listening and letting me express it. She didn't seem rushed or impatient, and I don't think we really talked that long. It was the deepness of the listening. It was the interest in the listening, not that it took 10 hours to have this discussion, but because she asked more questions and she tried to understand how I felt, which is what deep listening is, it's listening beyond the words, impact beyond words, in less than I, I don't know, maybe we talked 15 minutes, I felt better than I felt in weeks, <laughs> months. And so something great happened during that dis- discussion. And I want to be that kind of facilitator and person and leader. And I want you to aspire to be Mary Lou too. She was an awesome person. And there's all kinds of credentials for her. But the biggest credential was her deep listening and her valuing of people. She helped me get clarity around my decision and the change that I was going to make. And I knew exactly what I needed to do. That That's the thing that's so powerful about deep listening is if we look at people and we don't think I've got to give you the answer so that um, you'll never, you know, you'll never figure it out if I don't give you the answer. But if we could look at people and say, you know what, you have answers within you and I'm going to be the facilitator. I'm just going to listen and support and love and appreciate and value and um, allow you to speak and share and show interest. At some point, there is a place for advice, but we lean on that way too much. So sometimes listening is the only thing that's needed to help someone. And um, listening at a deep level, though, and Oscar talks about this in his book, requires great discipline and patience. Mary Lou was older and um, she cultivated that patience. Maybe she always had it. Her kids, you know, who were my friends, you know, had a very close relationship with her, but she was wise. Like Jimi Hendrix said, you know, wisdom, truly listening is wisdom. She was wise. So it creates, you have to have discipline and patience and it doesn't require, and I love Oscar says this in the book, deep listening does not require elaborate techniques, tools, or high device or high tech devices. It just requires Y O U. (laughs) It requires us to be present. So there are four villains to listening, and we all can inhabit some of them some of the time. And so I want you to think about the worst listener you know and that you can think of. And then let's listen to Oscar talk about the four villains of listening. Now let's talk about the four villains of listening. Here they are. They're called the dramatic, the interrupting, the lost, and the shrewd listener. 
So the dramatic listener loves listening to you. They listen for emotion. And the minute you say something like, I'm really struggling with my new manager, they come in and tell you, well, let me tell you, you think your manager's bad? Let me tell you about my manager. I had a client called Kathy. She sat down with me once and we were chatting about the dramatic listener. And she goes, that reminds me of my boss from two jobs ago. I went into my boss and I explained to her that my grandmother had passed away on a Monday and I needed to go to the funeral on Wednesday and I just needed her permission to go. The minute I said my grandmother had died, she jumped in and explained how she hadn't dealt with the death of her grandmother and 12 minutes later, she finished speaking and Kathy simply said to her at the end of that, is it okay if I go to my grandmother's funeral on Wednesday? <laughs> That's the dramatic listener. The dramatic listener loves your story because it's a stage for them to tell their stories on. If you think you're going through a tough merger, they've been through a worse one. If you think uh, you've got a bad onboarding situation or if you think you've got a disaster project, they've always had one that's worse. Or, or, they, yeah. love, or they love to make it bigger. What if you've had a success, their success has always been bigger. So that's the dramatic listener. The, the next listener is the interrupting listener. They think the moment you draw breath, it's their commercial break to give you your opinion. Now, don't get me wrong. The interrupting listener has got great intent. They love solving problems. They just have a different relationship to time than you do. And they figure they've already heard what the problem is and then they can interrupt and solve it faster. So most people relate to somebody who really frustrates them as the interrupting listener. The next one is the loss listener. The loss listener is completely distracted before they come to the conversation. And worse still, some of them are distracted while you're in the conversation. If you had captioning while you were talking to a loss listener, they would kind of be saying things like, no, I don't know why I'm at this meeting, but if I just listen for another 10 minutes longer, I'm sure I can glue all the actors and characters together in this story and be able to contribute. Or they're listening to your story and they're drifting away thinking about the last time that might have happened to them. Or they're drifting away thinking about Hawaii. Hawaii. Hawaii would be a lovely place for my annual vacation. Oops, back into the conversation. That's the lost listener. And then the shrewd listener, disproportionately represented in the selling profession, disproportionately represented in the medical profession, the legal profession, the accounting profession, the consulting profession, anybody who takes a brief and says, tell me your problem. The shrewd listener, if they had closed captioning on, everybody thinks the shrewd listeners are really good listeners because they don't interrupt. Everybody thinks the shrewd listeners are really good listeners because they kind of put their hand on their chin and they nod a lot and they go, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what the shrewd listener is saying is, really? Is that your problem? That is such a basic problem. I can fix that problem, but I can think of three other problems you haven't told me that you're going to come up with. I'm so smart. Wow, it's good to be me. And while they're thinking <laughs> that about themselves, they haven't listened to what that person's real problem is. So Oscar's villains are dramatic, interrupting, lost, and shrewd. And I have a quiz online that talks about different negative listening habits, and they line, there's seven of them, 
um, but they align with what Oscar was talking about. If you want to take that quiz, you can go to pricelessprofessional.com forward slash negative listening. There's just a little quiz there just to test yourself. It's like, okay, do I do any of these? And you can kind of see where you fit in the villains. I love his verbiage, the villains of listening, because they are their negative listening habits. He shares three actions to bring our best listening self to every interaction. So we we have our three questions. We're understanding now the villains or the negative habits that we can have that get in the way. And now here's three actions that help you bring your best self to every interaction. These are great tips and tools to use when going into meetings, important meetings, uh, being with family members, if you're a coach or a leader. So Oscar talks about this and let's just hear what he shares about the actions that we should take. For me, I've kind of built this habit that for me to show up as the best version of myself listening and and, and this is also what I teach is number one, remove the distractions. Number two, a hydrated brain is a listening brain, so drink water. And tip number three, the deeper you breathe, the deeper you listen. And for me, the moment I step across a lobby and going into a client building or a meeting that I need to participate in, that is a signal for me to switch my cell phone off and put it in my bag. When I get to the lift, the elevator, I make sure my back is up against the back of the elevator if I get a choice. Mm. And if nobody's in the elevator, I will draw my eyes closed and take three deep breaths. And if somebody is in the elevator, I won't close my eyes. I'll just watch my shoes because people get weirded out if you do that and uh, and take three <laughs> deep breaths. Now, why do we draw three deep breaths? And I'm not saying get into a yoga pose. and <sighs> that's, not, that's not a deep breath. A deep Does breath have is... To be that. Yeah, deep breath is simply in through your nose down the back of your throat, all the way down to the bottom of your lungs, and then back out and exhale through your mouth. And most people won't know you're doing that. Uh, about four weeks ago, I went into a building, had uh, 50 stories. I got to 38 and my ear popped and I was like, I lost all my breathing. I came out of the lift. I turned right. I went to the restrooms. I closed the door. I took three deep breaths in there and then I came out. And the minute I step into reception, they usually offer me some kind of refreshment, a tea or a coffee or all of that. Always ask for a jug of water for me and the number of people who are in the meeting. See, the brain is only 5% of our body mass, yet it consumes 26% of our blood sugars. And a lot of people, when they're taught how to listen, really listen, to deeply listen, say their head hurts. And I'll say, oh, it's got, it's got yeah. nothing to do with your listening. It's got to do with the fact you're dehydrated. Now, by the way, if you love Starbucks, good for you. And you just got to drink an extra glass of water for every cup of coffee you have as well because they're not really going to help you in the journey to stay hydrated. So a hydrated brain is a listening brain. The majority of the function of listening happens in the prefrontal cortex, literally behind the skull. If you've got your hand on the front of your skull, the prefrontal cortex, the front of the brain, is the more modern part of the brain, the less primitive part of the brain. It's the stuff that deals with complex, abstract, and interconnected thinking. 
I love that he shared that we must get in the performance mode. And that is actually before a coaching call. I don't just like go up to the minute, even though I'm urgent and I like to have a ton of things going on. I don't go up to the minute before the call and then prepare. I get in performance mode and performance meaning not to be fake. It's performance to to be ready, you know, not performance like I'm going to act. It's like, let me quiet my mind. Let me do these things that he talks about. Eliminate distractions, hydrate and take deep breaths. Simple. But gosh, do you do it every time before you go into a important meeting? Do you get into performance or prep? You could call it performance mode. You could call it preparation mode. You could call it pre-paving mode, getting ready. It could be honoring the other person and honoring yourself mode. The only reason you're going to take time to do that is if one, you know it matters, that deep listening matters and it's going to make a difference and that it's not always, you know, it, while listening is our birthright, we could have some challenges with it. For me, it was is my style. And then for all of us, it is this whole thing about the, the amount of words we can speak and how much we think <laughs> and how distracted all of that can make us. So we, we want to do these three things. We want to get in performance mode, eliminate distractions, breathe, and hydrate. We've got to create space before a meeting. And I love him talking about being in the elevator and and breathing. In, In the book, he talks about silence is like the tuning fork for your listening ear. So silence prior to getting in the performance mode, taking deep breaths, closing your eyes 15 seconds before a conversation. And then during the meeting to make it deeper and to keep yourself present is to breathe. Do the breathing. And that there's so many benefits to deep listening. There's six that I'm going to listen. He has them in his book, but it puts us in a better position to actually help. It enables learning and discovery. They learn. We learn as the listener. It allows us to see the full picture from the other person's perspective. The speaker feels valued and understood. You have a stable and more fulfilling relationship. You gain a true understanding and ability to uncover unseen issues. Do you need any of that on your team? I think so. (laughs) I think we all need it in our life. So, you know, basically to me, the benefits of listening have just changed my life. For me to be a better listener and then to surround myself with people I trust who listen to me and value me, I got a really good taste of it in college with my college roommates. That was the start of it. And it's like, wow, this feels so good. This is so awesome. And it's helped me so much. I did a podcast on speaking circles and uh, Oscar talks about, you know, we, we go to all these things where we get trained as a speaker, but we don't always go to things that train us as listeners. And what I have loved about speaking circles is basically a, a place where you go to speak, but you learn to speak off the cuff. And so you get up, you speak, and then you get feedback. And and the focus is not to come with anything prepared. It is to learn to trust that you have wisdom within and that you can share it. And I used to have a lot of anxiety about all that. I always had to be all prepared and had it all lined out. But the flip side of speaking circles is when you're not speaking, you have a job. And that is to listen. Clear your mind and you practice in just being present. You're not doing a checklist to see if Susie's doing this right or that wrong or, you know, and then after the person speaks, you're sharing feedback and it's only what you appreciated and how you experienced the person. 
And so it's this whole idea, if our birthright is listening, and that's the thing we crave the most, speaking circles gives that to us. And so I knew I resonated with that at a deep level when I first went to a speaking circle. So I did a podcast on it. They call it relational presence. And basically it is another way to say, hey, I'm going to deeply listen to you. And there's so much power in that. It's so much of us filling out our internal self, our sense of self, our valuing of ourselves, but understanding that we belong here and that, you know, deep listening is a piece of all of that, you know, to all those benefits is it's being able to help people feel valued and understood, really valued and really understood. So uh, how leaders can use the power of relational presence to engage and influence. It was with Eric Atwood, who is a lovely, heartfelt person. If you want to check out that episode, if you have not listened to it in a while or never listened to it, it is about the speaking circles. And there is this whole thing about listening is as important in the speaking circles as it is getting up front and speaking. Um, So powerful, but it's at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash presence. So this is our podcast on deep listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Oscar is so kind to provide a download that gives you the five myths of listening. It talks about the rules, the 125-400 rules, and additional listening resources. You can go to Listening Myths listeningmyths.com. We have it in the show notes, listeningmyths.com. And uh, he says here on the page that is on the listeningmyths.com page where you can get the download. It has you sign up for his newsletters and his information. He says, uh, listening is a leadership issue. Courage is what it takes to stand up and speak. Courage is also what it takes to sit down and listen. That's a Winston Churchill quote, which I love. So check out his book. It comes in this beautiful box. He has the book, which when I read it the night before our interview, I was so moved. The presence and the energy of the book. It's uh, very beautifully done. Um, And then he also has cards, little listening cards that have beautiful images on it. And it's just well done, easy to take in. Uh, These are concepts that we'll be eternally learning and evolving our entire life. Uh, But I hope that you get value from this and you can find the show notes with those tips and um, that he shared and information about how to get the download at our show notes page at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash deep listening. Just want to remind you again, as I said in the beginning, if this particular episode inspires you, uh, you get results or shows you something new, I'd love to hear it. So you can reach out anytime. I promise what you share will be seen and I will respond back. You can leave a um, review on Apple Podcasts. You can send me an email at pricelessprofessional.com forward slash Susie. That's our contact form. And then we have our new, the new uh, speak pipe thing um, that I'm doing thing, right? The new little thing where you can just on your phone, go to speakpipe.com forward slash wake up eager workforce. Click on the little purple image and leave me a message. And then I'll be notified when I can use in the future. I want to use that for feedback in the podcast and share, but love to hear from you. Susie at pricelessprofessional.com is my email. So lots of ways to reach out. Also want to remind you about the Wake Up Eager Wednesday tips. Go to wakeupeager.com, get that complimentary ebook for from the 2019 tips and check out the 2020 tips. I'll be sharing them every week. 
And thank you for tuning in. Appreciate you being a Wake Up Eager listener. I'm excited about what's next. To wrap up the Wake Up Eager Wednesday tips from last year, my next episodes are going to be my top mind, body, spirit actions that caught my attention or seem most important for me in 2019 and beyond. And it's going to be uh, the first one is going to be on the mind. And it's uh, about essentialism, the disciplined art of doing less. And so I'm going to uh, have a, somebody that we're going to interview on that. And we're going to talk about essentialism. That's my number one thing, top of mind. I'm thinking about it all the time. So I'm excited to share that on the body. It's going to be about intermittent fasting, which has also been on my mind. I've been doing that now for nine months. I can't wait to share that. I've got a former executive who is going to share her experience with this. And then with the spirit part, we're going to talk about tune-in time. And that's where I want to get some feedback from y'all. So but you'll hear about that on the future episodes. For now, go check out our show notes, pricelessprofessional.com forward slash deep listening. Thank you for tuning in. Appreciate you. And um, we'll talk to you on the next episode. Take care. This episode of the Wake Up Eager Workforce Podcast was brought to you by Priceless Professional Development. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's show, head over to pricelessprofessional.com to gain access to more professional development resources. 